This is the Book Riot Podcast, a weekly news and talk show about what's new, cool, and worth talking about in the world of books and reading. This is episode 187. We're recording on Saturday, December 10th. I'm Jeff O'Neill. I'm here with Rebecca Shinsky. We're coming to you from bookriot.com. Rebecca, I've been snowed in for two days. That's why we're recording two days later. Snowed I've been, I've been, in I got kids Oregon. all over. We actually iced in, believe it or not. Half Ugh. inch of ice. An inch or, uh, ha- well, any like inch uh, yeah. accumulation of ice at all is problematic. Well, and they have no facility here for dealing with snow. So, you know, an inch of snow. And, and it's hilly and it's dangerous. Mm-hmm. So it's not what I'm used to coming from Kansas or coming from New York right. where, you know, really have some. You just but function. I do remember as a kid, do you remember this as a kid? Where, like if you got ice on the tree, you were out of school. Mm-hmm. Like it, six inches of snow, they would they'd have school, but it was wind chill. But if you could see ice like crusting the tree, you're like, yes, that's it. That There's no doubt. That's the denouement. We're, 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 this, we're calling this one. Um, but we had that. I had the kids home for two days, which is great. And, you know, those of you with kids and snow days, especially young kids, you know how that goes. Um, it can, it's both fun and uh, a little loony making, but I'm glad to be here. We're both, we're both in very relaxed mode. It's we a are. very, I have an NPR feel to me. I've got my cup of like chamomile apple cinnamon tea <laughs> Who here. Who are you? I don't know. I don't know. I'm becoming a caricature of myself. I went to um, yoga this morning and then I yeah, had Yeah, I know. Brunch. What's going on? I know. I know. Like we're old hippies or something. Um, so we're very mellow today. We've <laughs> I got, just moved we to missed some new, we missed some news because it's two weeks since we did the holiday show. Thank you all so much for you know, writing in. I have a couple of you that wrote in to me, uh, to us for recommendations that didn't make the show. Um, and I'm going to email you some recommendations, one or two. Rebecca and I talked about a few. We'll, we'll, give, you, we'll give you something for emailing us. So something's coming um, pretty soon for you. But I think we got to everyone who put it, gave us a question before um, we actually started recording that last one. Always have a good time. Thank you so much uh, for listening. And uh, uh, if you buy something, if you read it, um, if you give it, that we recommend it. Let us know how it goes. Good or bad. We want to hear both ways. We want to hear both. Yeah, especially the good ones. <laughs> yes, especially. <laughs> I, I think that's one. I think uh, Kahneman and Tversky wrote about that bias. I'm not sure what it is. <laughs> Confirmation bias, probably. But speaking of is. Kahneman and Tversky, did you start the oh, Michael I'm started. Lewis? Oh, I'm in. All right. I'm in. Good. I've got more feelings about it, but we can't talk about it right now. Yeah, not we, yet. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll have another audible spot. We could do like a point. whole episode about our Kahneman, yeah, Tversky, Michael Lewis feelings. Um, again, I, I'm, I'm a few hours into it already. Uh, let's do our first sponsor. Casper is back. So here's what Casper is. It's an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. As you know, if you've ever shopped for a really good mattress, they can cost $1,500. But Casper mattresses cost $500 for a twin, $750 for a full, $850 for a queen, and $950 for a king. You you get springy latex and supportive memory foams to create an award-winning sleep surface with just the right sink and just the right bounce, just the right push, just the right pull. Jeffrey. An in-house team of engineer engineers spent thousands of hours developing the Casper. It, it has this breathable design that helps you get that temperature just right. You know, not too hot, not too cold. Time magazine named it one of the best inventions of 2015, which is saying something because mattresses, I think, have been around. You know, that, that you, like you get on the map for a new mattress design when we've had mattresses for probably as long as we were trying to cover up crap to sleep on. Try Casper for 100 nights risk-free in your own home. So here's how it works. They'll pick it up and refund you everything if you don't like it. So you don't have to, like, go trudge it down and put a sticker on it and, like, a mattress. Everyone knows, like, the mattress is, like, the 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 weirdly hard thing to move around your house. It, like, flops all over you. It's a, it's a whole mess. But they'll come pick it up. It gets shipped to you. It has free shipping to you and free returns. It's made in America. They, it comes in this like vacuum sealed tube thing. You cut it open, and it springs to life. You got to give it a day to to open up. But try it out. And with 
our offer code for our listeners, get 50 bucks off by going to Casper, C-A-S-P-E-R.com slash Book Riot using offer code Book Riot. Get 50 bucks off. You know, you spend, you know, a third of your life, a fourth of your life, depending on how sleep deprived you are on your mattress, get a good one. It made a difference for us. I know you bought a good one. Mm-hmm. Makes a difference. You know, uh, there you go. Casper Mattresses. Casper.com book, right? Thanks for sponsoring the show again. Glad to have them back. Uh, we have a little announcement of our own. We do indeed. Uh, real quick. Uh, you, want, you want to take this? Yeah, you, you lead, sure. lead us off here. We are hiring. We're hiring somebody. We are looking for an ad sales manager to join our advertising. You could sell some podcast team. spots. You, you could sell some of those. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so uh, if that is you, or we know a lot of publishing folks listen to this show, mm-hmm. and you're awesome, and maybe you want to come work with us. Or know uh, someone who does. Yeah. So... Yeah. Uh, experience would be delightful. Uh, books would be, you know, book knowledge mm-hmm. as listeners of the show know would also be a plus for you, but is not necessarily required. Um, and we'll have the full listing at bookriot.com slash join hyphen us. There'll be a link in the show notes as well. So you can check that out. You can pass it along to a friend that you think might be interested in applying. We would love to hear from you. Yeah. If you like books, um, also you like money. You know, it's a full-time mm-hmm. gig. You can live in, let's see, where, where can you live? You can live in Oregon. You mm-hmm. can live in Virginia. British you Columbia. Can live in British Columbia, Canada, if uh, the elections got you <laughs> of making a run for the border. Uh, you can live in Kansas, Wisconsin. New York. Uh, New York, Virginia. I think I think those are the states. Mm-hmm. Um, you can, you, you got to work from home, but we're incorporated to do business in those states. You work with us. You sell basically advertising products to publishers and other people that want to put site skins, sponsored content podcast reads, all that kind of stuff. If you read the site, you know the kind of stuff that we have for advertising. Uh, get to work with us, which is not too bad, not too shabby. Yeah, we're all right. Yeah, equal opportunity employer. So you know what that means. Come come, give us a shot if that sounds like something to be interested in. Um, yeah, so probably we'll be taking applications and inquiries through the end of the year at least. Um, so yeah, it'd be cool. To, it'd be cool. We're putting it out there because we don't know. Yeah, people, who you, knows? You don't know. You know, if you, it's so weird. I mean, if you just look at the full-time people that work with us now, there's very few of us that didn't know one of us before, right? Right. Like uh, Jan, I guess, who's our well, no, Jan was someone who knew someone. He was a that friend of a friend, right? A friend of a friend, like, or someone that we knew from online that had the blog. You know, Amanda, mm-hmm. you, me, you, Rachel, uh, uh, Kelly, um, Jen Northington. Like, it's amazing that we all sort of knew someone. So we thought we might as well um, pull on those network ties and see if anyone out there wants to come join us. We want someone that's good and is excited to work with us. So come, 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 think about it. And look at the job description there. Okay. Well, I, th- I think we do pretty well of holding on the f- off on the best of 2016 talk on the site, at least. You know, mm-hmm. we don't, we're not one of the, uh, Publishers Weekly put theirs out on like October 31st. Yeah, we're not doing that. Which is whatever. We're not, th- but we're, that's an industry rag, whatever. I get that. So we dropped on the site last week um, our best, our 25 picks for the best books of 2016. You go to bookwrite.com slash best books of 2016. There'll be a link in the show notes there. You and I both blurred books. So tell, tell, tell the, you ran this show. Mm-hmm. You put this together. Tell them how we put it together, how we aggregated it, and how we came up with these. Yeah, so we do um, an internal voting system for this. I send out a Google survey to our whole contributor core, which is, it's like 120 contributors at this point. Yep. Um, anybody who wants to vote can, and everyone can vote for up to five books. The book has to have been originally published in 2016 or First in America, tra- right? Right. Or right. Yeah. Or first like translated into English and published yeah. in America. Or it could have been published, say, in the UK previously, but it made its American debut in 2016. Mm-hmm. You get the idea. Mm-hmm. Um, each contributor can vote for up to five. Um, and then they put their name in the form next to the five that they voted for. 
I go into it at the end. We give everybody a week. Um, I go in, I tabulate which books had the most votes, and then I start looking at which contributors voted for which of those books that made it into the finals, and then assign one person who voted for each book to be the blurber. So I think about 75 of our contributors participated in this vote. There's 24 books, so not everybody who contributed to the making of the list got to blurb a title. Um, But they're all incredibly good sports, and they're pros, and they want to contribute to picking the list, and it is an awesome list. Uh, it's a great list. Uh, I'm really we proud both of it. blurb things. It's mm-hmm. a it's a beautiful list. Uh, what did you blurb? I blurb or, homegoing. It's not a blurb. You, know, you wrote I about, recommended yeah. whatever. Yeah, right. Uh, um, I wrote about homegoing by Yah Jesse. No surprise if you've been listening to the show. Um, I got to blurb um, Lab Girl by Hope Jaron. Also um, no surprise. <laughs> also no surprise. Um, let's see. Well, we've talked. So I guess the. The ones that are no surprise are, well, what, I guess, Underground Railroad. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the biggest shoe in. After that, was there anything that if it hadn't made the list that you'd be surprised uh, didn't make see, it? I would have been really surprised if the mothers hadn't made it, which it mm-hmm. did. Um, I would have been surprised to not see uh, Shrill by Lindy West, which okay. did. That made the list. Um, also, let's see, uh, Queen of the Night. I think I would have been surprised mm-hmm. to not see that one there. Um, and some of these titles were surprises to me. But yeah, I was going to say, what's next? What are the what are the ones that are surprises? Oh, let's see. Uh, you know, actually, it's the, I think the ones that were surprises to me were more because of my own lack of familiarity with that. Mm-hmm. S- with that area. So um, one of the YA picks was Saving Montgomery Soul by Mariko yeah. Tamaki. Hadn't heard of it. I hadn't, hadn't heard, of, heard it. of that either. Um Let's see. What else was kind of a surprise? LaRose I was surprised. by Louise Erdrich actually surprised me. Because yeah, it came me too. out kind of quietly. Yep, it did. Um, Teresa um, Preston yeah. uh, wrote about that for us. Um, I, in the Country Love by Diane Guerrero, mm-hmm. um, I'd heard of the book, and I'd heard people liked it, but I didn't know if it had enough critical mass to make it onto the list for us. And again, at the at the end of the voting, you get you know kind of small numbers, so a few people who loved it among mm-hmm. the 120 is enough to get it on the list. Um, let's I'm listening see. to that on audio right now, and it's Oh, excellent. are you really? Yeah, yeah, she's great. You've heard us talk about Sleeping Giants a bunch mm-hmm. this year. That made the list. Um, we were both excited for The Fire This Time, which is the um, uh, uh, Jasmine Ward edited a, basically a tribute anthology about mm-hmm. race um, to The Fire Next Time by James Baldwin. The Mothers, as you said. Oh, The Nest, which was a, the big hit of the spring, really, literary fiction. Yeah, yeah. Um, that, one, that one held on. The Obelisk Gate by M.K. Jemison, the middle book in the Broken Earth trilogy, uh, which won the Hugo. Um, no surprise there. Mm-hmm. Queen of the Night, as you said. The Serpent King by Jeff Zentner, that's one that we liked internally. A lot of people. Yes, yeah, big um, fans. Like that. Probably um, The Trespasser, I guess, is the only real mystery thriller. Ton of yeah, French ton is of French. on here. That one is The Wings versus the World. Uh, you yep. Can't Touch My Hair by Phoebe Robinson. Both of those, I think, were uh, not surprises at all. We had them at uh, Book Riot Live and big, you know, f- fandoms for both of those authors within the Book Riot contributor core and the community mm-hmm. at large. Uh, who else? Oh, um, If I Was Your Girl by Meredith Russo. Uh, yeah. That's on here. Info oh, is that a thriller? Is that a thriller? Sort of? Uh, no, it's kind of a YA um, coming of age that one of okay. the uh, main no, characters. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's not got a thriller. A, it's got a thrillerish cover. It looks it like does. something terrible like, is about to happen to that woman. Yes, it like has that. that haunting, uh, yeah. that haunting look. Infomocracy by Malka Older, mm-hmm. uh, which is two years in a row that an older has an been older. on the list. Yeah, right. <laughs> last year we yeah, had them. DJ better get one out next year so that we can, <laughs> right, we can vote keep for going. it. March um, book three we talked about um, during the National Book Awards by mm-hmm. John Lewis, Andrew Aiden, and Nate Powell made the list. Karina Glazer um, wrote about that for us. So yeah. A very good. I'm a. It's a good list. Like I was thinking about because we talked about whatever. I think it was right before we did the holiday recommendation show. How we didn't really love the year in fiction, yeah. especially. Um, but what I think what happened is that there was a really fat middle, if that makes sense. Yes. Like there wasn't there. There weren't three books that were like God. If they're not, it's really underground railroad. If it wasn't on the list, I was going to be shocked. Any of these books that weren't on there after that, I wouldn't have been shocked by. I wouldn't be shocked if The Mothers wasn't on there just because, mm-hmm. you know, it's a debut literary novel. It got good buzz, but lots of books get good buzz and, and don't make the list. So I, I think what happened here is that we, it's kind of like in some uh, NBA drafts, like the first – sometimes it's just like the first two draft picks are franchise makers and mm-hmm. then there's a bunch of really good players. I think this is a – there's a bunch of really good players, but the very top, there's not the ones like this is one we're going to be talking about for 10 and 15 years. Now, yeah. we could be wrong. We could be wrong, of course. Um but really, the Underground Railroad, mm-hmm. I think, is the only. Do you know if it was the top vote? Game? It was the top vote. I was going to yeah, say yeah. your feeling is borne out by the voting yeah. data. I don't have the right. numbers, uh, the raw numbers in front no, of no, me I, right I just, now. I but figured you probably remembered it. Yeah, it was. I went so. back and looked at last year's, and last year we had like five titles that got mm-hmm. a bunch of a bunch of votes. One of them was the clear winner last year, um, but and that was uh, Between the World and Me by Ta-Nehisi mm-hmm. Coates. But then there were three or four others that were that had big clusters of votes yeah. right behind that one. Um, um, and then the trickle of other ones. This year, it was all about the Underground Railroad. Uh, mm-hmm. And then sort of everything else had mm-hmm. like a third of the votes than the Underground Railroad. I'm trying, my even, five, even I don't fewer. remember. I, I voted for Lab Girl. I voted for the Underground Railroad. And I voted for Sleeping Giants. I think I also voted for the Gene. Mm. And I can't think of what the, I can't now think of what the, my fifth vote was for. Yeah, mine, um, let's see. I voted for Homegoing. I voted yeah. for, I think also Lab Girl. Um, the fire this time. I can't remember what else. Definitely, well, the Underground Railroad, and I can't remember what my fifth one was. Yeah. probably it's one of those things. If we ran a simulation back, like a Monte Carlo decision, had us all vote again. Oh yeah, like that I think we'd it would have be different. that fifth spot. We'd, I think that's there'd be some wild cards there, and I think that's also another sign of how middle heavy. I don't. I think that's a phrase. <laughs> how middle heavy it. the year was, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, but you know, any year you're going to get enough books to put in a great year of reading. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think there's any question about that. Uh, anything else? Oh, just a shout out to our developer, Alex, and our oh, designer, yeah. Scott, who made a beautiful page for this. Mm-hmm. So if you check it out at bookriot.com slash bestbooks of 2016, uh, you can give them little silent shouts uh, for their awesome design work. It's really pretty. We had a lot of fun putting it together. Um, new way of doing the best books of the year for mm-hmm. us at Book Riot. So we had four young adult titles, one mystery thriller, two science fiction, um, one, two, three, four, nonfiction. Well, it depends on how you count autobiography, biography, and memoir. I guess mm-hmm. we split those up. We have, yeah, we do split those up. We have three proper nonfiction, and then another two, two, one, two, three, four. Oh, there's some dupes. Okay, so about mm-hmm. five or six nonfiction, uh, fantasy, one comic. Yeah, so a nice spread. Nice spread. Yeah, I, the list usually feels, at the end of the year, about as... 
you know, eclectic and interesting as I expect it to feel based yeah, on. Yeah, this feels like a book write list. Yeah, I mean, the that's, contributors there's always kind to the of site a... and what the content looks like. Yeah, I think from that angle, um, there there aren't any surprises. Like some of these titles are going to be things that readers are more or less familiar with um, than others, and some were shoe ends like the Underground Railroad. But this mm-hmm. it's a very book riot list, um, and it always gives me warm feelings about our contributors that this is not an editorially monkeyed with list. This is no. what happens when we give them open voting and just look at mm. um, how they select the books that they believe were the best, most interesting, you know, favorites of the year. I'm still the ones I want to get to. I'm going to get to the Obelisk Gate, but O'Neill's Razor demands that I wait until mm-hmm. the Stone Sky, the last one, comes out. That comes out in August of 2017. Not that I'm keeping track of when that's coming <laughs> you have out. You a paper chain in your office, yeah, right? right. Now. I need, I need, to, I need like a serious, sort of like software native app of like a reminder app of just like the books I'm waiting for um, to come out. <laughs> I really do also want to get to. Um, uh, uh, the Queen of the Night. I haven't gotten to that. Oh, that's a good it's, one. It's long, and I just you know one of those deals. That's a good Snowden read, Jeff. You got to save that for the next snowstorm. Yeah, and I got to say, I think I might be interested in the uh, um, in the country we love. Mm, it's yeah, yeah I, 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 I think you'd like not, it on audio. Not something I really, for whatever reason, because I'm whatever, but I, I think I'm going to do that now. Yeah, I, think I thought I've it was gonna... more of a celebrity memoir thing, but the, the no. blurb that Preeti wrote it says it's not really about that. So it's I, not. It's yeah, like, she is a celebrity. She, um, I think, most famously is from Orange Is the New Black. Right. Um, but the the book opens with her talking about the day that she came home from high school and discovered that her parents, who were undocumented immigrants, had been taken by ICE mm. um, and were going to be deported. And then she rewinds back to sort of her family's immigration story. She was born in the U.S. and has citizenship, and what her life was like growing up. Um, so I'm several hours into it now, and she's just come back around to her parents having been deported, and we're moving forward mm. from there. But um, it's it's thoughtful and it's harrowing um, and an important story. And she's not at great... all topical at all. Yeah, not at straight. all. Yeah, no. uh, and yeah. she's a great she's a great writer. Um, okay. I think my first pick off the list that I haven't read yet is going to be Infomocracy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to read that too. Yeah, I mean they're all good picks. Yeah, so. they're okay. all good. Well, let's go from there to things that sold. Okay. You, is that, you like that? Yeah, transition? yeah. You want to go yeah, to the Amazon? The Amazon's best-selling books of uh, 2016. <sighs> this is kind of. I mean, this list is surprising to me. Is it surprising to you? Am I looking at the wrong thing? Customer customer favorites, favorites top-selling new releases. Yeah. Overall, top 20 customer favorites for 2016. Mm-hmm. So the first. I don't know. I guess I. I mean, this looks lived. like. Yeah. It's the, no, the boy who lived. Harry you Potter. You mean the cursed child? Yeah, yeah, but he was the boy who lived. Oh, the boy who lived. The boy who sold, you mean. That, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just looked at Publishers Weekly the other day um, for the 4.2 million in print covered by uh, Publishers Weekly this year. But Fantastic Beast tanked, as mm-hmm. for, you mean, in terms of selling like yeah. 30,000 for the screenplay, which I guess that's what happened when the movie comes out right. at the same time. Um, when when breath, breath becomes, becomes air, air, Paul Kalanithi. Kalanithi, yeah, and that Kalanithi. came out early in the year, so it it's had been a selling long time. all year. Yeah, it, it had sold that early and often, like, like voting in Chicago. Oh, um, got a John Grisham title, The Whistler, and a David Baldacci title, The Last Mile. There's a Bill O'Reilly book on here. Yeah, that's um, not surprising. Like the the people who sell books just because of the name, the Grishams, Baldacci's, right. O'Reilly's, uh, Lee Child, Daniel Silva. James Patterson, Harlan Coben, Michael Connolly, Sylvia mm-hmm. Day, the Diary Nora of a Roberts, Wimpy Kid, Diary of a, yeah, Jeff Kinney. So those, I mean, that's almost like RSTL and E in, in right. Wheel of Fortune, right? Like Nora you just Roberts, get those, right? That's true. Um, so I guess we'll skip over those, even though we just said them. And so, so what did you? So what were? I stepped on your reaction. What was your reaction? Uh, let's see. Well, I was surprised. 
by Hillbilly Elegy. Like I've okay. been seeing that everywhere, yes, but I'm I surprised by the widespread popularity. Mm-hmm. Um, glad for it. A really interesting book. Um, I was surprised by um, The Nest, honestly. Like that was oh, a yeah. big book of the year, but I'm surprised that it's, you know, top 20 Amazon. Held on. Um, it held on for the it year. It did. And I guess I'm also surprised by um, the Magnolia Story, which is by Chip and Joanna Gaines, who yeah. host uh, Fixer Upper, which I think is on HGTV. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I know they are widely loved, um, or they were up until recently, um, but I'm, I'm surprised to see that. And then here's the one that I hadn't heard of. Every year there's one that yep. we're both like, what is this Are we book? looking at the same thing, Everything We Everything Keep? Everything We Keep by, by Carrie, Carrie Lonsdale, Lonsdale, which I guess must be this year's Nightingale. <laughs> 7,000 reviews uh, uh, on, on Amazon. It's from... Lake Union, it's in, so it's an Amazon imprint, okay. Lake, right? Isn't Lake yeah, Union I'm one pretty of the sure imprints? Lake Union is an Amazon imprint. Yeah, it's a debut. It's let's see, what else? Uh, unexpected twists. Okay. Sous chef Amy Tierney is the perfect recipe. Oh come on, uh, Mary. So uh, okay. All right, I want to so hear her, from our listeners. If yeah, you if you read a fiance read dies, what happens yeah. after? I I don't know. I feel like I've read that description or some you know mad libs version of it a thousand times but it took off people liked it Mm -hmm. i don't know if it got a bunch of internal amazon promotion this is print and kindle it could have sold like gangbusters on amazon and we never saw it because i do pay attention to those publisher weeklies lists like Mm -hmm. none of these are a surprise because i saw that they sold that's the one that didn't show up there as far as i can recall at least i should say um so and it's all it's it's not on sale, but it's a six ninety nine paperback and a four ninety nine full price Kindle. So Amazon's doing some pricing things that mm-hmm. are interesting there um, that might help. Uh, let's see, which I guess what else is interesting? Lyanne Moriarty's truly madly guilt, guilty. Not surprised to see yeah, there. Yeah, I know just, she's popular. Maybe this before the fall by Noah Hawley, which has been yeah, a sponsor of a bunch right. of stuff, um, was a thriller. Um, that one is is on there. Um, yeah, the nest. Mm-hmm. You know, not that interesting of a list. I have no, to say. and it's like a super white list. Oh man, yeah. It, do I remember right that Sylvia Day identifies as POC? Is that right? Do I, I have don't that remember. Wrong? Did I have a fever dream? Because that's the only one that I think is even. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, Paul Kalanithi, I guess. Yeah. Uh, with the yeah. Anyway, any kids and young adult. You know, most gifted books. Hamilton. You know, people are giving each other Hamilton, Bruce Springsteen, mm-hmm. Harry Potter. Um, they're giving each other a sweary, the, com- or a sweary book. yeah, <laughs> fantastic beasts. They're giving each other. So there's okay. the co- the the Ina Garten j- cooking for Jeffrey cookbook. People are giving each other, um, yeah. But you know that's uh, customer favorites. That that's it. Those are the ones. Um, yeah, John Grisham. You know, it is amazing. I mean, we were talking about this uh, in the back channel the other day. That James Patterson, uh, the industrial complex mm-hmm. i mean god love him i mean like just has a true crime has a ya has a kids and it's we we know this about publishing that authors are more brands than imprints are i mean yes. we just know this and mm-hmm. patterson is the best example of that because and i don't think it's a mystery i don't think i'm telling tales of school but he didn't write a lot of this maybe even most of the books that have like james patterson branding on it it usually says with somebody or for somebody or a part of something else the jimmy pat books or whatever else it mm-hmm. is like he has it's its own industrial complex that I haven't ever seen. I haven't seen anyone else really try. It, it, have you ever seen no, anyone yeah, try I, it like this? I, I have not. I mean, we've seen 
sort of, uh, I guess, second tier takes on yeah. it, like um, the James Frey thing, but it doesn't have his name all over right, everything. That James was a different Frey kind. Thing. And then when a writer dies and they want to continue the series, uh, right. like the Bourne series got yeah, picked up. Jason, after. Uh, uh, James Bond series, right? Like those that. get picked up, but yeah, no one has done it. And I think you're onto something there that, like either James Patterson or Hachette or they collectively figured out at some point that people weren't just responding to the James Patterson name or to the story that they thought James Patterson Patterson himself was telling them, but just to what they knew they were going to get between the covers of a book that said James Patterson on it. You're getting, you know, probably some kind of thriller. There's going to be some kind of page turny stuff. Right. It'll be page turny. And I think that's why it doesn't matter to those, you know, avid readers of those books and they sell like crazy. So there are avid readers of them. It's, um, it's a good shorthand for people who are trying to pick out a book somewhere that like this has the James Patterson. It is a brand. This has the James Patterson brand on it. And I know what I'm going to get. And it's less about that particular individual. Um, it's so interesting to me that that worked. Like, I wonder, um, if somebody like Nora Roberts, that's what I was going to wonder. Other people do this. Like if uh, Dan Brown wanted to get in this game. Or, I yeah. mean, I don't even know who the equivalent would be. I mean, uh, well, the John Grisham, right? I, yeah, like John Grisham could do it. I think David yeah. Baldacci could do it. Like someone who's already, you know, at least two books a year prolific mm-hmm. could do it. And those guys do a pretty consistent thing. You know, it's yeah. not the Colson Whitehead game where every novel is a totally different thing there. And right. it, there's one every five years. Like somebody who's publishing two books a year and whose readers mm-hmm. recognize their name um, and feel that they know what they're going to get when they pick that up. I think those people could do it. Nora Roberts at her height could probably have yeah, done it. Definitely. Definitely. Um, that's a good, that's an excellent one. Some of the, I bet some of the like softer, uh, I call, I'm going to call them cozy romances, which I know is not correct, but like uh, Debbie McCumber um, yeah. is a huge name and has a jillion books out every year. I bet she mm-hmm. could have done like a, she could have like Debbie McCumber presents, you know, um, well, you know, like these that. Bill O'Reilly books, like they, they're Killing X, you mm-hmm. know, like they do all these, like he could do a, one of these. Like if it's, you know, they're basically sort of military political history, maybe a little bit. My understanding, I've never read one of these, is that they're not like right wing screeds necessarily, but they actually have a more conservative worldview. Mm-hmm. That becomes a, a, you know, basically an, a brand for someone. Right. As, on, on the non, I mean, we've th- talked forever, a million times on this show and off this show, like if Oprah wanted to do something, like they could become oh, an imprint, yeah. right? Uh-huh. Like basically the, you, you know what you're getting with Oprah. Even if you couldn't like describe it in a paragraph, you sort of have a sense of what it is. I think James Patterson's the same way. It's like people are just looking for, it's not even social proof, it's just like identity. Yeah, um, which I think imprints don't really have that, right? And they try, they, but yeah, they try. They don't. And, but you can have like an like an imprint has a sensibility. Um, mm-hmm. When it's some imprints have sensibilities, some imprints are super spread out and just wish they had sensibilities. Um, and sometimes readers can get a sense of that, or like you can, if you pay enough attention, you might notice like, oh, I tend to really like the kinds of things that Harper Perennial does. Um, yeah, boy, you have to be a, a nerd to know that. Right, and it's so much tougher because you're still dealing with, you know, if you read a couple dozen books a year, like, yeah. a, you know, a diehard, like that's that qualifies you as a as higher than average reader to be reading a couple dozen books well, a year. Well, Patterson's you're still not even a bunch doing of the different... number of books that Harper, Harper Perennial's doing way more even than so a brand many. James yeah, Patterson, and, right? Yeah. yeah, and so that would be, I think it's just harder um, when you have like the name recognition of an author who started, you know, with a big readership and has spun it out. Oprah could right. do, I think, like a self-help, self-improvement. Sure. Well, she line got the fiction imprint. There right, could be a, it's like, a food, you know, lifestyle right. one, easily, mm-hmm. uh, you know, memoirs, autobiography, even. I, I, there's a bunch she could touch and, and move, you know, move right. units on. Um, you know, 
And some of it, like, could King do it? You know, could oh, Stephen King, ro- I bet he could. Rolling? Maybe Neil Gaiman? Yeah, right. Maybe Neil Gaiman with, yeah, I don't know. It, it just is, it's fascinating that there's one. And he, and maybe it's one of those things, the exception that proves the rule, right? Like, he makes, mm-hmm. what, $300 million a year well, and blah, blah, right. blah. Like, and I don't he know. is, for all of the, like, the various things that we say about James Patterson all the time, he is in the James Patterson business and he has no apparent And business qualms. is a booming. Yeah, yeah, and he right. has no apparent qualms about commodifying art. No. Um, and no. I think that there are very many writers who do. And yes. so who, who, even if they were approached for like, hey, we think you have name recognition to do, you know, your name plus or your name mm-hmm. presents on a line of books where we use you as the brand. Other people do most of the writing. You're going to take a cut. I think a lot of writers would resist that yeah. um, because yeah. of, you know, feelings about protecting uh, their identity as artists versus, you know, the ugly money side of the publishing business, right. which is a well, necessity for a business. But it's interesting to think about that. And also, I guess the other thing is, too, I'm off mic, um, is if you're, let's say you're John Grisham, right? Just take another one of these people that we talked about that maybe could do this. You just need to want to have, like, I guess, what's the motivation to it? He's got plenty of book money. Like, mm-hmm. none of these people we're talking about need more money necessarily. Right. So you want to have, like, almost a second-order ambition to, like, have a brand. Like, you want to be, mm-hmm. you know, a mini-mogul. I guess not even a mini-mogul when you're doing through Like, you want to do the next level of selling books, producing stories. Mm-hmm. You know, Patterson himself, I'm going to take it face value that he really cares about people reading. You know, yeah, he donates and- all this money. He talks about it. It's like, he wants something other than just his name on two books a year, and to make a jillion dollars. Right. So, he must be interested in the business as he well. He must be. Has to be. Well, he clearly um, is. He talks you know, about bet, it all the time. And... I wonder, like, Rick Reardon could maybe do this. I'm trying to think about, like, kids' authors that could do the same thing. J.K. Rowling presents. He's the only one that comes to mind. Because, like, mm-hmm. even Jeff Kinney, like, he's not the brand. The Diary of a Wimpy Kid is the brand. Right, right. Right? I mean, it's, it's so hard to know. Um, they just don't sell that many. Like, if J.K. wanted to get into it, like, you know, J.K. Well, it's kind of what she did with The Cursed Child, though. We talked about this a little bit before. Like, I, I think I said on the back channel, it's like a very James Patterson move where she kind of came up with a story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the, the was it John um, Tiffany and Jack Thomas wrote the, the book and directed it and uh, wrote the screen, uh, uh, stage play. <laughs> they did a thing. They did it. They wrote, they wrote the stage play. They made the words <laughs> that people say and printed, but it has her name. So it's kind of like... I don't know if it's a toe-in-the-water situation or it's like a weird outcome of this strange, <laughs> idiosyncratic effort, but it is it is a minimum viable product for the J.K. Rowling industry mm-hmm. yeah. um, of content beyond beyond herself. Your mellow might be showing, Jeff. What do you mean? <laughs> the, uh, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the, the word struggles. Yeah, no, uh, my mellow see. is showing. Should we do our next sponsor? Yeah, and we better. We'll Tell me about our next on. sponsor. We got, <laughs> we got yeah. Harper Lee news to get to, oh, I'm sorry boy. to say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so our next sponsor this week is Madison Reed. Uh, they make luxurious at-home hair color with ingredients that you can feel good about. So if you want to color your hair and get salon-quality hair color with a personal touch, you can do it at home. Madison Reed is passionate about loving your color. They have expert colorists to support you every step of the way. The website has a really cool tool where you put in the hair color you're trying to end up with and the hair color you're starting with and a bunch of things about like the texture of your hair. Is it curly? Is it straight? Is it thick? Is it thin? You know, all that stuff you got to think about with hair. And then it helps you determine which formula of hair color to purchase. You can get the prestige pampered salon experience plus the time-saving and money-saving convenience of your home uh, and get shiny, beautiful, natural-looking hair color. Also, Madison Reed's hair colors are made with ingredients that you can feel good about. 
out. It's the first ever six free permanent hair color. It's free of ammonia, parabens, resorcinol, PPD, phthalates, and gluten. It's crafted in Italy, so you know it's luxurious. It's also infused with a nutrient-rich keratin, argan oil, and ginseng root to help extract and uh, to uh, root extract to protect and pamper your hair like never before. Madison Reed has 100% gray coverage. This is a thing that I have to think about these days. I know that I am not alone. Uh, and you can have their expert colorists help you, you know, help guide you every step of the way so that you can color your hair at home with total confidence. They have over 40 shades to choose from. Take the online color quiz to get your 100% shade match. You can do that at madison-reed.com and you'll get 10% off plus free shipping on your first color kit with the code BOOKRIOT, all one word. So that's madison-reed.com and 10% off plus free shipping with the code BOOKRIOT. So thank you to them for sponsoring. I'm going to, if I am ever not a mermaid again, I'm going to try Madison Reed. They, they don't have uh, my little pony color. Mm, they don't, they don't have things in uh, uh, starburst. They don't. They, yeah, they don't. Yeah. You know, last week um, was Amanda's birthday and she was over at our house with her kids um, and we were getting ready to watch a movie. And before the movie came on, we were watching My Little Pony and Amanda's two little boys dubbed me Pinkie Pie, which yeah. is a My Little Pony. I know Pony. Pinkie Pie. Okay. Yeah. yeah so yeah. Um, I have accepted my place in the My Little Pony universe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, oh, let's, you know, I'm just delaying much more of having a to rainbow about... dash myself uh, <laughs> comes right down to it. Let's do Goodreads real quick before we get okay. to Harper Lee, because okay. while we're on the um, 2016 year-end stuff, mm-hmm. uh, best books of 2016, Goodreads Choice Awards, the, the winners uh, were announced, I guess the week before last week. We've had this on yeah, for a while. A while. Hour. Um, you know. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> You know, <laughs> Colton White had won the historical historical fiction, fiction category. The the uh, increasingly miscategorized Underground <laughs> Railroad, <laughs> but we're not fantasy, going to Harry have Potter, a, a this mystery time. thriller, end of watch, Stephen King fiction, Leanne Moriarty's um, is it Leanne Leanne Leanne, Leanne Moriarty, I think. truly madly guilty um, stuff I hadn't heard of in the science fiction category, Morning Star by Pierce Brown, no idea. Hmm. This is what Joe Hill the Fireman. That's when I might have thought might show up on our list, yep. the book riot list for mm-hmm. horror. Um, Amy Schumer for romance. The weirdly, yeah, I Amy Schumer for humor, my friend. What? Amy Schumer didn't win for romance. Oh, I'm sorry, I, I said the wrong thing. I didn't even, I didn't even recognize that I, I misspoke. They break up their nonfiction really weird. So here are the nonfiction mm-hmm. categories. Basically, it's nonfiction, memoir and autobiography, history and biography, and science and technology. So nonfiction kind of becomes the it's category like, for things that the other things aren't. Weirdly, it's like, yeah, I think it's kind of like the island of misfit toys over there. Yeah. like the nonfiction books that aren't memoir, autobiography, history, biography, or about science. <laughs> I guess that's – I think that's kind of what's happening in the fiction situation too uh-huh. because some of the prestige fiction this year, as you show up on our list, like Another Brooklyn, right? Mm-hmm. That's historical fiction uh, categorized by the Goodreads users and all their infinite wisdom, Underground Railroad. So that fiction becomes a catch-all for basically commercial fiction, right? right? That you know. Or is is I am already chiclet? Would people call that chiclet in good conscience? People so. that no, own that word, not... I don't even know what it's about. I have to say, yeah, no, they're they're like suspensey. It's I think oh, of it as oh okay, gotcha. Yeah, I've only read one, but I would call it like suburban suspense. It was like Suber- desperate housewives stuff. No, no, kinda? exactly. Yeah, I read um, Big Little Lies, and it was okay. like 
Tom Parada's little children had a baby with Desperate Housewives, and the baby was like a little bit woke. Gotcha. I'm on the pickle barrel now. I know. I know exactly <laughs> what you mean there. Do you know that phrase on the pickle barrel? On the, I don't. But that's well, a in my former career as a as a bombardier in World War II, that's what you used to say when you were over the target. You're in the on the pickle barrel. Yeah, yeah. So Where nonfiction is Hamilton, the Hamilton, the Revolution, the the Lin Manuel Miranda book, but then memoir autobiography is When Breath Becomes Air. So I think if you just sort of had an omnibus fiction category, probably When Breath Becomes Air wins that. Yeah, right? science and technology, I think so. Um, science and technology was a surprise to me. I, I hadn't I heard of this see- book. Have you heard I of this book? I haven't either. No, um, I've read another from, the, the one that won is called Are We Smart Enough to Know How Smart We Are by Franz DeWall. No, no, Are wrote- We Smart Enough to Know How Smart Animals Are. How Smart Animals Are, right. Um, by Franz DeWall. I've read, um, I think it's called The Bonobo and the Atheist. Okay. Um, he had that out a few years ago. I would have put money on either the Gene or Grunt for mm. this one. Um, yeah. So I was yeah, surprised yeah. to see this one. But, you know, then again, I'm just always surprised when a book I've never heard of wins a thing. Right. Um. Yeah. <laughs> um, availability bias. That's what, we, yep. that's what Kahneman and Tavares would call that. Uh, let's see anything else that's down here. Um, young adult, I mean, young adult fiction is, gets broken up into fantasy, middle grades, young adult. I guess one story, we, there wasn't a breakout young adult book. Really, in terms yeah, of sales. Yeah, that's true. You know, and, and the other interesting thing here is that um, Ruby Cower didn't win yeah. the best poetry collection. Well, I think it was published last year, maybe. Oh, never I mind. think it, it's, You're it, right. has, it has its You're own right. weird, like, viral thing going on that it yeah. is in defiance of. You're right. Uh, it came out in 2015. Yeah. Kind of like Girl on the Train. That's really the book of the year still in terms of sales for fiction, mm-hmm. but it's not eligible because it came out last year. Right. Um, so the weird things just go. Yeah, you know, uh, th- I have to say this has a lot more, a lot fewer um, uh, attractive offerings to me personally. You know, I'm not going to get to to many of these. I don't think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So that's right, the thing l- that l- Harper Lee news. Tell oh. me, oh God. I'm so sorry. Speaking of turning authors into brands, this was like. Like, I feel like I just recovered from that series of one blow after the next Harper Lee Well, listen, we were worried about stuff like this. We talked, I think, explicitly we, we on the did. show about this kind of so, stuff. Go ahead. Anyway, we're Harper Lee's hometown, Monroeville, Alabama, is planning they're, – they're calling it the Harper Lee Trail. And it is a tourist attraction to capitalize on – bringing in what they hope will be hundreds of thousands of fans of Harper Lee. So it's going to begin with the bank building um, Mm -hmm. in Monroeville, which I believe there's been some other controversy about, but it's this 1909 bank building. Harper Lee's father had a law office Uh there, and he was the model for Atticus Finch. So the building is due to be refurbished. They're going to turn it into a museum. Um, And we know, you know, Monroeville was the model for Makeham, so this bank building was maybe the model for some other things in To Kill a Mockingbird. It's going to right. start with that. They're also going to, they're going to build replicas of three houses that feature in the novel. That's so basically crazy. they're just going to like imagine three houses from the novel, um, including the homes of Scout and Boo Radley um, and make, I guess this trail. Right. Um, you will be shocked to know that, Harper Lee's author Tanya Carter is involved. <laughs> You're a lawyer? I think you had a yes. Freudian slip oh, right there. Oh, you said yeah. Tar- Harper Lee's author. Well, that's a good one. <laughs> uh, so it's a coalition of local business people who are sure. led mm-hmm. by Tanya Carter. Um, they're going to do this. And here's the real kicker. So, like, in addition 
to just openly acknowledging that uh, whether Harper Lee would be in favor of this or not is a total open question. Is it uh, open? Is it? (laughs) Yeah, a a woman who was reclusive for most of her life uh, would be in total favor of turning her down into a theme park based on her book. (laughs) Makes perfect sense. Yeah. Here is the kicker, though. Here is the kicker. Uh, (laughs) There's a critic of the plan. Thank goodness named Mm -hmm. Sarah Churchwell, who points out that um, more pernicious than the commercialization of Harper Lee's legacy is the risk that alt-right white nationalists will perceive this as some, she says, packaged as retro chic, and that it will uh, invoke nostalgia for a golden age in the Confederate South. And they are hoping to avoid accidentally creating, and I quote, Disneyland for racists. Like, I'm sorry, but if you're in the planning process for a thing and you're like, this might, you know, bring in neo-Nazis, we don't want to have Disneyland for racists. I mean, I appreciate the, I mean, I appreciate the, the, the thinking and being concerned about that, but really, can you misread To Kill, I mean, it has its own racial stuff going on Mm -hmm. that's not all straightforward, but can you really be a neo-Nazi and be like, you know what, that's, that's my book. Don't well, they I mean, all just get... go to like, uh, I don't know, don't they go to civil, yeah. they go to Shiloh I'm, and stuff like that? I'm and... not super sure that this concern is valid yeah, based yeah. on, you know, the content of the book. You could get a little more validation from it out of um, Go Set a Watch. Yeah, there you go, right. Yeah, probably. I don't, but like, I'm, I, if you're sitting around making your plan for a thing and you're like, you know, guys, we might be making Yeah, if on the cons list is maybe we'll be a Disneyland for racists, you got to really wonder if that's a great idea. Right. You got you to wonder. I maybe I'm out of touch and underestimating, but I'm really pretty skeptical about the existence of hundreds, hundreds of, of thousands. thousands of Harper Lee fans who are going to like schlep themselves to Monroeville, Alabama. Yeah, to, to look at like shotgun houses from the 1950s, like that were built now. Right, and that wouldn't that aren't going there now anyway. Like the the marginal increase in value of visiting Monroeville for a Harper Lee fan will be sufficiently different. Right. Right. So, you know, like to overcome the, the, the escape velocity, they're going to get the escape velocity necessary to get there because of this, not because to go anyway. Right. And there's, right. And it doesn't seem to me on here that there's any like, you know, tour where you can stand in front of Harper Lee's house or something like if you do, um, this is a sort of tertiary example, but if you do a walking tour of the garden district in New Orleans, you Mm. walk by, you stand at one point, you stand in front of a house that Anne Rice used to like that Anne Mm. Rice grew up in. And so you're like, Oh, Anne Rice grew up here. And then she wrote stories about which like, it's part of the tour, but I don't know that many people like that's their destination. There, but there's not even like sort of a Harper Lee once touched this place, um, other right, than this weird. bank building. The the rest of it is like we imagined these houses that the Radleys would have lived in, and we built those in 2017, presumably. And now you can stand in front of them and think thoughts. Yeah, I mean it's weird. It's super weird. I, again, there's part of me that's like, great, you know, attractions, you know, theme park like attractions about novels. Why not, right? I mean, sure. we've got Universal Studios and whatever, and there's Jurassic Park and Spider-Man. Like, is it the worst thing in the world? Of course, of course it isn't. Yeah. It's just, it is It is too bad that I think we know that Harper Lee wouldn't want this. I mean, mm-hmm. I, again, there's no letter saying explicitly, please do not turn Monroeville into Graceland. I mean, we don't have sort of the reverse smoking gun show title, but like... It's just too big. You know, if it was someone else, I don't even know who would be like, 
even Mark Twain or someone who's a more of a public figure, I guess mm-hmm. I'm okay. But like, boy, it does seem inimical. inimical. Uh, I don't know. Uh, it, it's tricky. It's tough. It feels, it's it just, tough. It, 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 we're just back in that icky feeling that we've had about Harper Lee legacy stuff. Yeah. Right. For a while. And I think Mark Twain is a good comparison there. Like you can go to Hannibal, Missouri, yep. you can walk around and like look at the river and you can mm-hmm. go to some historic places that Mark Twain wrote about and you can imagine whitewashing a fence. You know, yeah. like, well, there's, there's like six novels you can draw. Like there's the Huck Finn and the Tom Sawyer. Like we got one book, I mean, one in a change, you know, basically mm-hmm. the same locations are all the same and there's no really interesting action. No one cares about Go Set a Watchman, not to put too fine a point on it. But like one thing to go Mark Twain, like, you can go to his house and I can't remember where it's like in Massachusetts, like the big Mark Twain house that they mm-hmm. saved. And then I've been, I've done the thing. Well, it's actually pretty cool. You see a steamboat, but it's like a whole, it's a whole like body of work, not just one novel, which is weird. I guess that's as anything, taking the Harper lead wouldn't want this angle out of it. It's so odd that it's this book. And I can't help but think kind of like the, 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 the surface read feel good race stuff that goes on in the book is part of what's going on here. Like, mm-hmm. it's part of what's, you know, there's something that's comfortable about it. And I don't know about the neo-Nazis are going to love it, because after all, Atticus Finch is the hero and whatever, and, and right. To Kill a Mockingbird, and I'm not sure that he would be And they're too busy the, protesting Star Wars anyway. Yeah, I was like, I was going to say, they, they can go reenact Civil War battles all they want. It's weird. I guess, I guess there's the market situation, which just from a straight business point of view, are there enough that seems weird. There's Harper's Lee's legacy, and then there's like this but, squeaky like, cultural politics stuff. Those are the three parts of it. Like, so how much is it going to cost to build replicas of these three houses? And can maybe you even, not that much. Probably maybe not. not that much. Maybe not. But can you even like recoup that in whatever sales tax pr- yeah, entry fee? Like, is there going to be like some sort of tour you have to pay Cold for a bottles ticket? Bottles of Coca Cola. Yeah, I. Uh, well, you could do. I mean, I guess another example where you could use is like go to the Globe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know um, Shakespeare's Globe, and it's kind of you know it's a way of going, and you get to learn about the world of the Globe Theater and everything else, and then you have performances, and they do have that yeah. play version, right, of To Kill a Mockingbird that like Aaron Sorkin is supposedly writing. Yes. Now yeah. you could see once they got this up and going, every Saturday night they do the play in the town mm-hmm. square or something like that. Right. Like that I could see cool. that. That would be that would be interesting. Where you go and maybe you. It's one of those progressive theaters. Have you ever done like outdoor Shakespeare? Yes, where you, yeah, you, yeah. Like you could see it doing something like that, right? Where mm-hmm. like Act One is in one location, then you walk over to the other. That, that could and, be like, kind the of interesting. Scene is yeah. set in this bank building or whatever. Yeah. You could do so, you could do something that's interesting. Uh, you know, the Dollywood for Harper Lee. That's what that that that's what I have in my mind, and maybe that's uh, not fair. Maybe that's yeah. Not fair. I mean, except like Dollywood is actually kind of fun. Well, but Dolly, uh, but Dolly Parton, that's her thing. Like Do- right, and, right, Dolly Parton something, is in something, the Dolly something, Parton no. business, right? Yeah, and I yeah. think that's the the real thing that I just can't get over is this disingenuousness about everyone's motivations. Yeah. Like, right. I just I just don't buy it. There's a quote uh, in this piece from the Guardian from Peter Black, who's a member of the board of the Mockingbird Company, which mm-hmm. is a nonprofit that was set up shortly before Harper Lee's death, um, and he said there's a bigger vision that we're working on in Monroeville with Miss Lee's passing. We've been working with leaders on how do we honor Miss Lee. Uh-huh. And our vision is with some time, how do we create a Harper Lee trail? And I just don't know how you get, unless unless she had like uh, expressed privately a bunch of wishes about things that would be surprising to all of us who are sort of ca- following this story right. from the outside, unless she privately told them all that this is what she wanted done. I don't know how you make the leap 
to this is a way of honoring her. It looks a lot like yeah, this is the like thing we want to do, honest, and so we're going to tell I mean, ourselves. You we're don't have her. to say it's a naked cash grab. Like that's not what I'm looking for. But you could even say, you know, we don't, you know, Miss Lee. This is not something what you want, but. The story is bigger than her wishes, and she's got right. millions and, of fans, and, they, and we want to give them some place to go, and, and you know, come pay homage, and right. you know, like just just admit that this is not what she would want to do. Right. And, but that doesn't—that's not what you're—you're tr- you're trying to serve people who are alive. Like, the legacy of the story, and blah right. blah like, blah. If Monroeville had been swamped with tourists following right. her death, and they were like, "Ah, oh, guys, we should do something," I could—I could get behind that same thing of like. Harper Lee's work meant so much to yes. readers for several generations. They're coming to Monroeville to, they're coming to honor her or to like touch a piece of, mm-hmm. you know, her legacy. We want to create an experience that they'll enjoy while they're here. Like it's a cash grab, but that's yeah. a much better package for right. it. But I, I mean, don't sell me this. No, don't, 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 don't sell me this. Yeah. No one's buying. No one's buying Mm-mm. this. All right. Let's move on to even more depressing things. Um, <laughs> Virginia School District. Yeah, this is one of those things we're going to keep telling you about them. Uh, there's mm-hmm. not much. This one's a little bit different. Um, well, you, you 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 found this story, so why don't you tell me about this? Yeah, it's also so, your state, so you're, right. you're responsible um, for this. In Acomic, Virginia, which is a small county on the eastern shore of Virginia, um, according to the 2010 census, they had about 500 residents. Um, so in Acomic, Virginia, um, the adventures of Huckleberry Finn and To Kill a Mockingbird um, were recently temporarily pulled from school reading lists after a parent complained about the use of racial slurs. Um from the this was pulled from the district's curriculum. Mm-hmm. Um, we've heard this before about both of these books yep. um, about Huck Finn and To Kill a Mockingbird. The piece that's different here is that typically, um, or more often, we, these complaints are coming from uh, like white parents who are uncomfortable with facing the language and the history right. that that language reflects. Um, the mother here uh, is reporting that her son, who's biracial, is having a hard time getting through uh, these books that use racial slurs on multiple occasions. So that is a different perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, so the books have been pulled from the curriculum and the school's policy dictates that the request will be heard by a committee that's made up of the principal, a librarian, teachers, parents, and others. Um, so there's a lot of sort of the predictable rhetoric around it. Like there are some tweets embedded in this story from people uh, calling it censorship, mm-hmm. um, calling it a book banning. Uh, I don't think it's either of those things. Um, and I feel like th- that it's missing, you know, a more interesting and fruitful conversation that could be had about like this language is potentially triggering for um, a person who's not white to read and to have to face the, uh, the history, but also the political climate right now Mm -hmm. would potentially make that very difficult. And how do you acknowledge those things and work around, uh, you know, work around talking about that, but also acknowledge the, you know, the very human responses that people have to literature. Mm -hmm. Um, so that this is an ongoing thing that's happening here in Virginia. Yeah. I have no trouble telling um, white parents of white kids to yeah. shut up in these situations. This one, I, it's out of my field. I don't have – I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to say. I'm sure um, those of you have uh, – if there's other people that are smarter than us that have a different perspective than us writing about this, I'd sure like to hear it because I think it is more – I mean it's much more complicated. Like, yeah, that's got to be freaking tough. Like really mm-hmm. – I mean, it doesn't have to – it doesn't even necessarily be sort of triggering to be – distressing and the utmost sure. um, and difficult to handle, um, especially if 
you know, was the student prepared by the teacher? Like, this is what's going to, you're going to see. I mean, maybe they did. I have no idea. Mm. But to put some context around it, we don't know. Um, Because if they were said, okay, here's your reading for Monday. Uh, Here's this book. Good luck. And there's all this Mm -hmm. language in it. And And it's like, why the hell is my teacher making me read this? Yeah, it's like, why am I doing this? Like, that, that to me makes some sense. So... Anyway, it, that's one of those stories. This one's got a little bit different twist on it. Um, I think both you and I are at least open to being more sympathetic to. Uh, oh yeah, I, I yeah. don't have a, a strong opinion. It'll be. I'll point. be interested in yeah. how this is resolved. Certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Where do we want to go from? Let's here? see. We better do our last sponsor. Let's We're do our cooking. last sponsor. PRH Audio is coming back. Um, it's it's holiday time. Uh, audiobooks are great any time of the year, but really, we're all going to be traveling. We're traveling all the time, and it's a great way. I mean, I find myself flying ten thousand times better. Now, that might be an over. That might be an exaggeration. <laughs> Nine thousand times better if I have an audiobook, especially one I like. Like one. Tra- Here's a travel tip for you: Don't start your audiobook like when you're on the plane. Start like the day before, mm-hmm. because then you'll be ready. For, you're like you're looking forward to be able to listen to it. That's one. That's one. That's one tip. That's one. That's one trick. We call that a life hack for you. Um, and so, but this is also, you've got a car ride. You've got family stuff to do. Um, even if you're in the car necessarily, and you're on a train, you're on a plane, but also if you're just moving, you know, doing a lot of traveling between multiple families, multiple family situations, audiobooks can be a really fun way to, to spend some of that time together. So go to tryaudiobooks.com for a full free download for your listening pleasure. Um, that's Penguin Random House Audio. They're coming back there. Do you have any picks? What, what do you think about them? Uh, I was telling, I think I was telling Liberty on this, on all the books last week. Um, mm. Bob is listening to Angel Maker by Nick Harkaway ah, right yes. now, uh, which I read in print and loved several years ago. So I've been, uh, I definitely just started the audio. I think I'm going to reread it by audio while he's reading it the first time. Does so Harkaway that, read it? Do you know? Uh, is he doing I don't, the narration? I okay. didn't pay any attention to that. Okay. okay. Um, I don't think it's Harkaway. Uh, but it's such a good, like a sort of not steampunky, but you know, like there's an adventure story, there's a potential doomsday situation. There there's are bees, bees, there's mechanical bees and supervillains. And one of my favorite characters in recent fiction, Edie Bannister, who is a like old lady, she's like an octogenarian super spy. Mm-hmm. Um, just really a really fun world to spend some time in. So, um, that's that's one of my favorites. One of their currently. suggestions they have on tryoutabooks.com for families, uh, if you've got an adult, adult kids, you know, mm-hmm. or your 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 adults, you know, with brothers and sisters, made our the Trespasser by Tana French. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's one they suggest. You know, it make, if you're trying to eat some road right and just get through it, um, one a page turner, um, stuff like that. Also, they've got a collection of Grimm's fairy tales, which oh, probably fun. if they're three, four, five, maybe a little. Uh, young because it is grim. But if you got like a seven, eight, nine, ten year old who likes a little dark, mm-hmm. um, n- one of the gen- one of the narrators, Jim Dale, the great ah. Jim Dale, also Alfred Molina, Catherine mm-hmm. Kelgren, and, and uh, Janice Ian. So you can get that. It's Good three hours and there. thirty minutes. So you can, you know it's one of those things where it, since it's fairy tales, if you have like a thirty minute drive from one thing to another. You don't have to do it all at once. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be anyway. good for like wrapping presents also. Yep, yep, you know, yep, yep, this, yep. this is, they're great for travel, but for the holidays, you have so many extra tasks. Yeah. You've got to wrap gifts. You might have to clean the house. You're oh, cooking wrapping meals. Gifts. I like that one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bob was listening to Angel Maker when he put the lights on the tree the other day. And uh-huh. it's like a whole complicated process here. We do very extensive tree lighting. Mm. So it took him a couple of hours and he just hung out, listened to Nick Harkaway. It was great. Nice. Mm-hmm. Let's do movie news. 
Thanks so Can much I, at tryaudiobooks.com. Movie news. Yeah, yeah, movie news. And then we have to hit this weird news story. Yeah, yeah. Week. Then we got to get out of here. Yep. All right. So you hit me with your first oh, movie, movie news. Oh, movie news. Well, so this is um, uh, Sherman Alexie's great um, YA novel, The Absolutely True St- Diary of a Part-Time Indian, is going to get made into a movie. Awesome. Um, and it looks like Hugh Jackman's... Uh, He's attached, attached somehow. Attached to it. Uh, He's going to be a supporting producing. role in the film. Yeah. So he wants it to happen, basically. Hugh mm-hmm. Jackman, and they got someone with some juice to say yes. And that's in Hollywood, I, I guess that's how it works, right? You need someone with some juice to say yes. Um, so look forward to that. Um, and then it also gives an excuse to uh, be excited that Sherman Alexie has a new book coming out in June 2017, a memoir um, called yes. You Don't Have to Say You Love Me, um, a searing, deeply moving memoir about family love and loss from the critically acclaimed bestselling natural board that I'm reading the blurb from Little Brown. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is, he started writing this after his mother passed away when she was 78, and this is what came out. It's got essays, uh, family photographs, poetry. You're not surprised if you know Alexi's a great It's probably going to make you cry. Oh, I'm, I'm tearing up right now. The picture of him and his mom on the cover, <laughs> forget about oh. it. It's, it's just, just murder me He's down. such an interesting guy. He too. is That's an interesting gonna... guy. Funny, self-deprecating, complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, was it this year or last year we had the... The yellow it was last face, year. you know, yeah. and even when he was writing about that, even though not everyone agree with him, I thought he was transparent and honest in his talk about it, and you know, mm-hmm. flawed and interesting guy. Um, so really looking forward to that. So there's for you, Alexi fans. There's a lot of stuff to look forward to there. Then Elizabeth Banks is bringing Lindy West Shrill. Is this to TV or a movie? I, uh, to I, television. I, I, television. Um, it's going to be great. which should be really interesting. Really interesting. It's a it's a feminist memoir. Um, a coming of age in a culture that demands women be as small, quiet, and compliant as used to. Um, you know, if you would have asked me someone, if you would have said, okay, someone's picking up Shrill, who is it going to be? I might have guessed Elizabeth Banks. She's mm-hmm. super smart, outspoken, interesting. It a, makes a, sense. A good writer and director. Um, I can imagine this being really cool. Now, is this yeah, going to be a yeah. series or is this a... Uh, well, to television, uh, I, half-hour television show. So um, like an which, ongoing series. Yeah, which I, guess. I think it will be great. I read it earlier this year. It's one of the picks for the Book Riot yep, Best yep, of 2016. Yep. Uh, and, you know, interesting stuff. Lindy West lives on the internet. So I think this is also really a TV show that's mm. positioned for a younger audience who understands online experiences. She writes really widely about trolling and online harassment and what it is to work on the internet and to experience mm-hmm. those things. Um, I would I would love to see this done well. Really cool. Yeah. So part-time so, Indian. I hope it uh, makes it. Absolute true story, diary of a part-time Indian. And not, these are not obvious. They're not like super obvious things in terms of, you can picture it, in, at least for me, I can picture mm-hmm. in my head how it's going to be. You know, it's not a mm-hmm. Grisham book or something like that. Like these are going to take some thought and some care. To do right, um, which is good. I like that. I like that. That's yeah, a, yeah. I think stuff I think you're right about that. Both have some sensitive and like sort of tender subjects. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. It will be interesting. We got to end right. on a weird note because this is note. like the weirdest thing I've this heard. This is in the a weirdest long. story of 2016 that you know would actually like, have the juice to <laughs> and appropriate for us to talk about. Yeah, right? and it's not it's not really a book story. It just happens no. to feature an author. So Sarah Gruen, who wrote Water for Elephants, yep. which was a you know huge success and was turned into a movie, um, re- recently bought more than one hundred of some toy called a Hatchimal. Do you oh. have you heard of these with no, your never kids? Heard like, of it. No. Okay, I never know like of the kids' toy things. What I just don't know of because I don't have kids. Yeah, we're not a good example um, to know what trends are in toy. I mean, they don't watch commercials. And okay, whatever. Yeah. 
Yeah. So there's a thing called a Hatchimal that's apparently like this year's Tickle Me Elmo that everybody wants to have. Um, she bought like more than a hundred of them, spending more than $23,000 to do so before the holidays uh-huh. with plans to sell them on eBay um, after Black Friday um, and, you know, make the money back. So um, she purchased 156 of them at an average price of $151. She was going to re- resell them on eBay for a marked up price. And she's being accused of Christmas greed for this because, like, she bought so many of these and yeah. she's deprived families who wanted to buy them for their kids of the opportunity to buy them. I'm not in for no. whatever. That's how capitalism works. Yeah, Sorry, that's guys. called speculation. You know, you yeah. buy, buy low, sell high. You know, Right. Um, she saw a potential opportunity where it gets interesting is one she can't actually do this ebay has a policy that sellers can only list i think three hatchimals per week um so she's not going to be yeah who knows where this comes from um maybe it's to prevent like stuff like they don't want not even ebay wants you doing this kind of reselling that, that, so. that you know you know that's a that's like the it could be a Disneyland for racists if it's something that eBay doesn't want you to do you may be on the wrong <laughs> right. side of the you know so of she didn't realize this and now she can't unload her 150 all 156 of her Hatchimals the most like the other interesting piece is that she wasn't doing this for uh, self gain yeah. she says that she was going to use the proceeds to help fund the defense of a man that she says is serving life in prison for a crime that he didn't commit. That's the that was the kicker that got me. Well, and and, and then the other story is she doesn't have enough money. Well, and like has the, she didn't she sell? An, I mean, I don't know. Go like, fund me, like uh, yeah, but because like, she's spending twenty. Basically, as far as I can tell from this article, tell me if I'm wrong. She was going to try to sell them for triple what she bought them for. Mm-hmm. So she was going to spend twenty three grand into seventy five grand. I mean, that's a nice little profit. But yeah. didn't Water for Elephants sell millions of copies? Like yes, and it was a mm-hmm. and it was a movie. Like I just. This seems so small time. This like such and a small time rinky dink like hustle. Right. It's like this like a small time operation and just the the problem solving process here. I have so yeah. many questions. Like you want to help this help fund the defense of this man that you think is you know was wrongfully co- convicted, and the way you're going to do that is like I know I'm going to buy up a bunch of Hatchimals. Like this is yeah. the you know, this, I don't know. <laughs> this is like a rejected Breaking Bad. Yeah, it's like yeah, line. you know what I'm going to I'm going to baby. I'm going to beanie baby the crap out of this situation. That's what I, you know what? I need to raise 50 grand for this legal defense fund. I'm going to go I'm going to go do some children's toy speculation. See how that right. I mean that is like, weird stuff. It's that is so odd. weird. I just don't well I just don't have any idea where that came yeah, from. Right. Like cuz I'm I'm in I mean like is this something I'd be proud of doing myself? I don't think so, but you know, these are $60 hatching egg toys. Like, you're not buying up penicillin to sell at a markup here, right? You're not the, right. What's the guy that's selling the EpiPens, right, for 700 oh, bucks or whatever. And that the guy who's got the cancer drugs yeah, for, yeah, like, like, you know, this, 10 this, grand a pill. This, you know, I, I get, that is clearly uncool, but this is like, right. okay, so you're going to get Legos instead of this if you don't get this. Right. And like, it's not no like one... she's driven up the, the market herself. Like yeah, no she one's bought gonna fifty die of because them because they didn't right. get a hatchable. Yeah, you know. But so it's just... whatever. It's just so yeah, that that she said she's doing it for a legal defense for some guy who's been convicted of murder. Like what a weird. 
Sarah Gruen just rocketed up the top of interesting authors for me. Like, and I'm not saying good necessarily. I'm just saying, whoa, there's a lot more going on in Sarah Gruen's world than I would have ever guessed. Or, you know what? Actually, this sounds exactly like what happens when a novelist gets writer's block or is trying to, like, avoid working on their book. She's up up reading BuzzFeed one night and Hatchimals (laughs) are the hot toy. She's like, oh, ding. I've got it. I've got it. It's like, you know, the you know, more common version of it is like, I don't feel like working on my chapter today. So I'm going to clean my whole house. Yeah, <laughs> she's right. like, I'm going to fund a legal defense and I'm going to do it with Hatchimals. On <laughs> in one, in one <laughs> browser tab was the Hatchimal story. And another browser tab was this dude's story and about being in jail. Like, you know, every now and then you and I get crazy ideas yeah. about work things. And we have the equivalent of the conversation where like, if we were in the same room, it would be like one of us looking at the other one with our hair half, well, my hair half mm-hmm. sticking up and yeah. be like, Jeff, <laughs> yeah. this is what Little we're going yeah. And then, and then, and, and then, then, and at like each step progressive and then you're like, okay. Um, step one, okay. buy a bunch of habibles. <laughs> step two, ellipses. Step three, profit enough to get the guy out of jail. It just, it's just, it's like, an insane I, story. If we have, if we take, you know, her statement at face value, which yeah. I don't have any reason not to, like, this is an honorable intention. Right. But it's also one of those, happen. each piece How? of the story in isolation isn't that crazy. Okay. Wanting no, to get, running, wanting someone get enough money to get out of jail. Totally in. Great. Someone speculating about Christmas toys. Happens every year. Sarah yeah. Gruen, author I know. But like, sure. put them all together, and it's like Mad Libs. It's crazy. It's a crazy story. <laughs> it's so weird. I have nothing further to say about it. No, like, we just, we, I, when we knew when we did this, we were like, we're just going to be weird at each other about this. But we had to tell, right? we had like, to let the listeners know. Because this is a real gem for If you had given me a hundred guesses about no. what the weird story was going to be yeah. this week, if you had even said like best-selling author Christmas Greed, yeah. I would never have gotten never. to someone is prospecting hatching egg toy things on eBay for a legal defense. <laughs> Is it just uh, we got to get out of here in just a minute? But like, <laughs> there's one. There's Tickle Me Elmo. There was Furby, Cabbage Patch Kids. Like, there's always one. Like, do the the toy makers just not know ahead of time that we need to make more of these things? Like, what is going? Like, I don't get it. Like, I don't get why. The, the, it's, don't we? We can make ten billion iPhones in a, in a day, but like, we can't get enough Hatchimals to sell. It seems weird. It just seems like a weird problem. And it's sufficiently known that Sarah Gruen, who presumably has no connection to the toy making industry, was like, <laughs> I can speculate about that. And that eBay Maybe has a rule about reselling them. Like, it's weird. It's, and, and yet the company itself can't make enough Hatchimals so that, that people can stay in jail. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm lost. It's very confusing. It's very confusing. Well, that's it's our a, gift for you a, this week. It's a confusing uh, time, Jeff. It, it, it is. It is. 2016, it, in, the, in the random story generator that 2016 has been, has really spit out a winner uh, this week. All right. Well, thanks to our sponsors, Madison Reed, uh, tryaudiobooks.com, and Casper, C-A-S-P-E-R.com. Get 50 bucks off with code BOOKRIOT. Go to casper.com slash BOOKRIOT. And we'll, links to the show notes. Um, also, the link to the job description, if you're interested in that. But show, you'll see links to the stories we talked about, including our own best of 2016 list. Uh, if if there's anything still you want to know about that list we haven't said, it's there for your perusal. <laughs> and uh, we'll be back with a regular show next week. More news. More news. We're back. Yep. We're doing our Have thing. a good one.